morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to another episode of The Blacksmith's Furnace with me, Robert. With me, Pete. Me, Mo. And we've got our special guest to us today, Miss Angela Kuma. Hi. Fresh Hi, from Coventry. Fresh from Coventry. Yeah. <laughs> Fresh from immigration. <laughs> oh, you haven't even been back like 24 hours yet, have you? No. So, so, so you're fresh from Coventry. Yeah. Yeah, it's good to be, it's good to have you back. I haven't had you since like February. Yeah. I went to uni and then died, but then I rose again. Lazarus! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> took you more than three days though, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, it took me a bit more. Do you know what? Yeah. I saw you actually saw summer holidays coming and just like. I died. Fresh air. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. So let's get in it today. Let's go straight into it today. No story time today. Because, yeah. I think everyone's a bit tired. <laughs> so let's go straight to it. Alright. So. Yeah. Trust me. Okay, so I was out and about on Twitter the other day, and then I and then I come across this this like <coughs> post that we put together. On top is got Paula White. And I think she's a, is, is she a is she a pastor? Yeah, Paula White's a pastor. She's got Paula White Ministries, I think. Okay, so Paula White. Her at is at Paula underscore White. Gonna go check her out. Wow. I don't think we recommend that you do, but you know if you want to. Anyway. <laughs> She doesn't come with the blacksmith furnace endorsement. <laughs> so you wanna do your thing on, on your own back. Be lit by the spirit. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so she wrote a tweet saying, God will do for you what your words allow him to do. Hashtag speak it forth. Hashtag power in your words. Wait, is she saying this? Yeah, that's what she said. This is what she agrees with? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the first Angela just yeah. Yeah, 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 It looks like Angela wants to say something. Oh, no, no, no. You seem to have that expression that you didn't agree with, with what she said. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, so, so speak your mind. Oh, we Well, no, no, no. Describe, describe the entirety of it. Okay. Describe the picture. Okay, so like, so, so someone's seen this and then they've made like a, like a satire picture and then it's got God calling out from above saying, I really want to do this thing. Can I please, 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 please do it now? And then it's got this guy saying for the last time god i'll say the magic words when i'm good and ready wait someone else did that yeah based on her tweet yeah okay almost like 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 comical mocking of what she oh, said okay yeah i don't know if it's mocking what she said it's i think satire satire not not this well i don't i don't know if i don't know the context in which you saw it but the way it's presented is like when you tweet a picture and so it's like it's almost an illustration of what she's saying. Oh no, I think someone's seen seen her tweet right. and, and and made a picture based on it. Right. Okay. Almost like making fun of what she said. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. 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 Alright. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure, you know, because from what I see, it seems as though she was the one who tweeted a picture with. Oh no, 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 no! Like where I got you from, you can see that it has been. It's been. Okay. It's okay. Satire. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, I'll see. I'll see if we can get it like uploaded onto this episode. Is that possible? I can. Uh, I don't know actually, but yeah, I can I, I can put I'll put it on the blog at least. Okay, well let's leave the picture for now. We'll talk about the picture afterwards. Let's let's talk about what she said. Okay, mm. so she said God will do for you what your words allow Him to do. Speak mm. forth power in your words. Mm. How do you feel about that, people? Uh-uh. Well, you know what, I say uh-uh like that, yeah. But um, there has to be some sort of a context to me disagreeing with it. And I already see Peter grinning like, say, this is about to be one hefty theological <laughs> no, debate. No, 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 not even, not even. Yeah. Let's, let's go, let's go. Let's do this. <laughs> um, so you guys have always had this conversation. Mm-hmm. 
to varying degrees, yeah. 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 Uh, so I think we, we, we can finally put it on the table. <laughs> well, I think let, let's 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 hear everything. Everyone yeah, first. Okay. Yes. So we've got uh, uh, Angela. I think there's both sides to that. Mm. Um. Yeah, I don't think I agree too much with what she said at all. To be honest, can, can you can you quantify that? You said too much. Um, what's not agree too much? Well, all of it to be honest. Like, um, I feel like that our words can't have more power than an all sovereign, all powerful God. All right. And for us to be able to change the world, God would almost make us more powerful than God. Okay. Okay. I. I. I... <laughs> Can I, can I read it? I think I'll, I'll have to again contextualise, but I actually agree with what she's saying <laughs> to some extent. <laughs> uh, it's about to go down. I, I, I think, I think, um, I think there's an argument to be made for, but then obviously I don't agree yeah. entirely with it. Um, but yeah, let's let's talk about it. So. And Moses? Oh yeah, Moses. Man. I said, eh, eh. okay. But as I said, there's a context to it, and there's. Um, in all things, there's a. There has to be a, a sphere for God can do whatever He chooses to do. Yeah. So if God chooses to, there are scriptures. I know. I'll, I'll, <laughs> there are scriptures that kind of advocate something different. But again, there's a context with it. And so, yeah. Alright, so let, let, let's start. Well, do you want to... No, no, no. You can start. You can start, yeah? I see, I see that grin. I see that devious, mischievous grin. Okay, so guys, this year we've had Captain America versus Iron Man. We've had Batman versus Superman. <laughs> now it's time for Peter versus Moses. So <laughs> sit back, get your popcorn. She says God will do for you what your words allow him to do. Mm. Not God will do what your words allow him to do. So, what will do for you? What yeah. you're, what you're so I think to. there's there's some context to what she's saying. But then What's at the, the same time like it's a situation where if you're speaking negatively about yourself or if you're speaking things into your life that aren't good, a lot of the times you, you know, you give up, there's power in your tongue. That's the idea. But it doesn't mean that God's sovereign will will not prevail in general life, if that makes sense. I think that's where he's, she's coming from. I'm not Do you know what, yeah? Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, what, I will, what I will say definitely is, one thing that I've learned is trying not to explain someone's thoughts for them. Because mm. it's a case of, he or she is in a place to be able to explain themselves. And if there's not enough clarity, that person is responsible to provide that clarity. So if there's not enough clarity in that tweet, I think she is responsible to give context to it, rather than... Just writing something. No, not even just write, rather than us trying to give context to it. Mm. Um, because our context and her context might be totally opposite. It might not. It might never mean what she actually intended it to mean. It, we might be spot on, but there's also that element of we might not. Um, I think we can only describe what it means to us or how we understand. We understand. Okay. Uh, so so maybe from our own point. So maybe let's tweak the question a bit. Okay. Mm. So Angela's just said that there's power in the tongue. Okay. Mm-hmm. So maybe the first question should be: Does 
Does, does the power that resides in our tongue can can, can, can that power override the plans <laughs> of <laughs> the sovereign good? All right. So in in response to that, for me, it's it, it's interesting the dynamic of God's sovereignty um, and what that means for what He's given us. So I'll go into that in a bit. I'll say something controversial. God's sovereign, but he's also given us all. I'll say he's given us sovereignty. <laughs> I said it would be controversial. I said it. I said it. Um, would you, you, you care to expand on that, Peter? I will. I will eventually. Eventually. So, so, so what? This guy is so coded. No, 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 no. No. The Bible is coded, so I'm just trying to do what God does. No, hey, hey, <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, based, on, based on your statement that he's given us sovereignty, technically you're allowed to do that. I say free will, but... So what is free will? It is a form of sovereignty. So that's the thing. So, so I think, uh, Mo, you, you, you have said this before. Actually, I'm, let me not say it for you. But it's, it's almost, uh, I was listening to this guy who leads some orchestra somewhere. And he was talking about how he comes to it, he comes to every piece of music with an understanding of what he wants the finished product to be, within which each of the individual instruments and players have free reign to do their own kind of thing to some extent, to fit that whole idea that he's got. Does that make sense? Yes. So there's an element of individuality that fits into the whole. And more often than not, you will hear... Um, you know, an explanation of God's sovereignty in that sense, that God has sovereign reign over all things, but has given us some modicum of individuality and choice and free will in what we can decide to do. But then, could it be argued that God, okay, God has given us free will, mm. but he has created the free will that we have, if that makes sense? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he has. And by definition of what that free will is, it has to be free will. So this is the thing. So actually, let me let me state what I believe. I believe the Bible presents both ideas, and thus the, my inability to define exactly where the line lies is is an is an inability on my behalf, and not on God. It doesn't restrict God. God has presented that there is predestination, there is sovereign will, but somehow it's also presented that there is free will, and you are responsible for your own choices, and thus. The Bible presents both, and the only reason I can't explain it is because I don't understand it. But I can accept that. I can accept that as truth because the Bible presents it as such. Does that make sense? What do you think, Angela? Well, I mean, I'm thinking about the Joseph story. Okay. Basically, because um, Joseph, I'm sure. The brothers, you know, the brothers beat him up, threw him in a ditch, sold him to what slaves, Ishmaelites, mm-hmm. um, and I, I'm not, I'm not sure that God exactly wanted um, the brothers to be that evil or made them that evil or said do this to your brother, but through that he ended up in Egypt but then that's and the became what. Is it, what's that long name? That it's the, well, essentially the Prime Minister. Yeah, essentially the Prime Minister. Yeah, but then, but then doesn't it say in Romans that God has created some people for, for um, some people for what's, what's the wrath and some, some people, yeah, some people for, for glory. Yeah. Even 
to the point that you made, that Angela just made, um, in Genesis fifty twenty, I believe, jo- jo- <laughs> Joseph states to his brothers, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. Yeah. So it was purposed for God that those things would happen. But then bear in mind that it was also at the choice of their brothers. And this is the thing, it's the way that I see free the illustration I can use I can portray free will and sovereignty. And with every illustration there's always pitfalls, there's always raging and poke holes at it. But the illustration that I can describe it with is is a white it's, it's an electrical wire. So God's sovereignty is the insulating um, plastic around the wire and our free will is the wire inside of it. Now within the insulation we are able to twist as much as we want to twist we can move as much as we want but we are always bound by the insulation we can only travel along what the insulation has actually laid out if the insulation bends we have no choice but to bend with the insulation free will i mean sovereignty as i understand it sovereignty as in the dictionary and stuff and as it's presented in the word is god's absolute control over absolutely everything so psalm says that god is enthroned in the heavens he can do anything he wants who can question we've got we've got scriptures like that we've got scriptures like genesis where it says where um god says to moses i will harden pharaoh's heart that i may display my glory but when pharaoh hardens his heart god says he hardened his heart so we have that duality again where God shows his sovereignty in a matter by Pharaoh still not pardoning from hardening his heart. Um, we've got countless instances where the sufferings of Christ was predicted all the way throughout the Old Testament. Yet, when the Pharisees and every other person did it, they weren't for, they weren't inexcusable of that of that sin. When Peter was speaking to them in Acts two, he said. Um, you you have done all that God's hand has ordained to be done. So it's a case of, yes, God's sovereignty is present, but we're still accountable for what we choose to do. And as Peter said, there, there's definitely a, both are presented in the word. And from what I know, from what I can understand of God, I cannot place man's free will on par with God's sovereignty. God's sovereignty takes a higher stand than man's free will. Man's free will is always subjected to God's sovereignty. Because God, for God to be God, our free will cannot carry as much weight as his, as his sovereignty. So there's always that power shift. There's always that, that, that pedestal that God kind of sits on and our free will kind of just sits underneath it. And I see it as, in all honesty, any other thing exalts man over God. That's, that's my personal view. As soon as we get to a position where man's free will holds equal power as God or more power than God, we live with, we've, got, we've got a gospel that exalts man over God. Because God always sits above man even in the issue of sovereignty and free will. Do you see what, do you, what I see displayed 
Mm-hmm. I mean, the Bible says that Christ did not see equality with God as something to be clinged to, but, you know, um, felt free enough to take on the nature of man, mm-hmm. be submitted to man, be perfected in his sufferings and all of that. No, he wasn't submitted to man, but in the form of man, he was submitted to God. When I say submitted to man, I am referring to things like the fact that he was in his human state, not omnipresent. He had to be in one location at one time. How is that submitted to man? Submitting to the limitations of man. Okay. To the limitations of being, of being human. human. Yeah. Um, and also, even even going further, submitting to his parents and listening to his parents and obeying what they say. Things like that. The, the thing I see displayed in that is a confidence in who you are enough to not need to cling to that the power. I don't know if that, that's making sense. I hear what you're saying, but at the same time, I see it as... It's not God clinging to the power because all-powerful is one of his attributes. Mm-hmm. So... Is something that he is. He's not holding on to what he is. He just at the risk of at the risk of getting into the whole immovable object, unstoppable, um, unstoppable force. If I am all powerful, mm-hmm. am I able to grant someone not power over me, but power over their own life? If I am all powerful, am I able to do that? I mean. <laughs> okay, if you want to say it, go for it. Because this, this, this conversation might become just, just one. <laughs> it's two, two, two. It might become one. I mean, it's like the, the same. Well, the way I see it is, yeah, he can grant power. Like he can't. Like, he, I have the decision, the free will to make decisions that go against the will of God for my life. Mm. I can. Like I can mess up everything that He has laid out for me, mm. and I can die that way. Do you but, see what I mean? That's, you see that's, that? That's, that's going. Yeah, yeah. That's going. To, yeah, continue, continue. That's going to the extreme. That's <laughs> the extreme. That is going to an extreme, and that's oh, going to different. Yeah, just pop in there. So you said you were just saying about how you can go everything that's against the will of God. But what if it was? But isn't it? Isn't everything to do part of God's will? So here's here's the here's the argument is causality. Yeah. Does that make sense? Is it? God is causing you to do that thing in his sovereignty or do you make that decision? And this is where I can't reconcile the fact that the Bible presents both. Judas is held accountable for what he's yeah. done and yet it's predestined. It's mm-hmm. prophesied in the Psalms. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't make sense to me that this thing has been prophesied to the extent that we know who is going to do it. We know where the money is going to you end know, up. We don't really know who's going to do it. We know someone who's going to do it. I can't remember where, but it talks about the person, it, 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 it identifies the person that keeps the money. Okay. Even to the extent of it, identifying that the money will end up in the hands of the landowners or the priests or something like mm-hmm. that. Like, it's, it goes that deep into specifics. Mm-hmm. So, like, we knew. And then, even, 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 <laughs> at, the, even at the end, you know, he who dips his hand in here with me, like, dude, that's just hold on. How hungry could you be? Why would you dip your hand at the same time? <laughs> but, it, like, it was that much specific. And yet, Judas is held accountable for his, mm-hmm. his decision. So, it, it really, I struggle with the idea of God causing you, or in his sovereignty, as, 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 as I think, or as I understand you more understand it, 
God's sovereignty being causative in man doing in man sinning. I struggle with that idea. If that is the case, the man has fulfilled God's will. I'm about to, I'm about to. <laughs> do, do you guys see I what I'm saying? Like, I get what you're saying. I, I don't I don't believe God causes you to do things. I think that's where for me I'm happy to accept the Bible presents both. Yeah. I am responsible for my own decisions and yet I cannot surprise him. <clears throat> and yet I cannot put him in a state where he didn't see it coming. Mm. But then I cannot hold God responsible for me doing something else. And this this is the thing. Um I hold that God is sovereign without being the author or cause of any sin. Now, this is where it gets interesting because I've heard, I've, I've read, um, John, I believe it's John Piper, um, there were different categories of the will of God. So, I'm actually making a verse that is. There's different categories of the will of God. There's the moral will of God, which... <laughs> There's a moral will of God. <laughs> we don't want to scrap this 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 recording as well. There's a moral will of God, which is um, seen in the Ten Commandments. Now the Ten Commandments is broken on a daily basis. So that will of God is something that it's, it's kind of like subject to our wills. And then there's a sovereign will of God, where God's will is eventually seen now predestination only predestination entails that you your end point has been predetermined but there's providence which speaks about god's continual hand and guidance throughout your life um and this is where it gets a bit technical man's disposition after the sin is bent towards evil so without the grace of god all we can do is pick between two evils we can't pick. We can't, we can't pick good, because one without faith is impossible to please God. So unless we have faith in God in the first place, we cannot please Him. So all we're left to do is pick between two evils. So even if we do something morally good, it's still going to become a root of evil, because it's not based on faith in God, based on what the Bible says. So without the grace of God, who takes our heart of flesh and takes our heart of stone and gives us heart flesh and then his holy spirit restraining us convicting us and then helping us walk as jesus walked we cannot do good so everything that we do is by his holy spirit so there's that element of every good thing that we do anyways is by his holy spirit as christians so there's that thank you thank you for that and so there's that element of without the hand of god restraining us from sin we are bound to sin so in the case of um, Pharaoh, I read it that God laxed his hand upon Pharaoh, which then allowed him to pick between two evils, which was to harden his heart. Even if he hardened his heart or let them go, obeying God, he wouldn't have done it with faith, rather irritation. So even when he did allow them to go, he still chased after them and ended up with most of his troops in, in the sea. And there's also the sense of, uh, I forgot on the train of thought. Um, yes, that's what I was going to say. We can sometimes hold on to small acts of sin 
forgetting that that might be working to a greater amount of glory. So it's a case of God as a sovereign and all good God, yes, not wanting us to sin. Could it be possible that he's allowing smaller sins that he may work in our lives for a greater glory? If that makes sense. He allowed the cruci- um, crucifixion of his son to bring about the salvation of the entire world. So he allowed, he, he, he laid out the steps, everything that was going to happen that led up to the greatest sin man has ever committed. The killing of God. That's, that's what the crucifixion was. We killed God. God laid out the steps. He allowed that sin, that a greater glory may come through it, that by that greatest sin, the greatest acts of salvation may happen. By the sin of Joseph's brother dashing him in the pit and selling him, the salvation of a whole nation came about. So are you saying that some sin is justifiable? Not that it's justifiable, but God works through it for a greater amount of glory. All things work for the greater good of those who love him and accord according to his purpose, including sin. So then are you then saying that sin that will not give him glory, he does not allow to happen? I'm not saying that. All things will give God glory. Mm-hmm. Whether willingly or unwillingly. Now, all those who unfortunately find themselves in hell will be given God glory by displaying his wrath even though it's been displayed through Christ. So even in hell, they're still giving God glory. So here's the thing. What I get from that is a God whose glory is more important to him than his creation. Not necessarily. The greatest thing that God can never give us is himself. Mm -hmm. And his glory is intricately woven within himself. Mm -hmm. So as part of us enjoying God in his fullness, his attributes need to be seen and his attributes display his glory. So in us enjoying God, we need to see his glory. I agree. So even in Isaiah, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. His glory fills the temple. Like his train fills the temple. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Mm -hmm. That was one of the things that was worshipped. His holiness is part of his glory. His righteousness is part of his glory. So in, in, in us seeing his attributes, he's being glorified. So it's not a case of his glory is more important than us. Well, he's God. But it's a case of the best thing he can do for us is to display himself in all of his glory that we may enjoy. Okay. What do you have to say? Because I see, I see this mischievous grin. <laughs> no, no, no. Like, what do you guys, what do you guys think? What do you guys think? Because again, it's becoming sort of a two-way conversation. So, what do you guys, what do you guys think? <laughs> Honestly, the, that 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 last part just went a bit over my head. Fair enough. Just a little bit. <laughs> um. So, what do you want to comment? Give me a comment on it. <laughs> comment. So, so my my thing is my thing is like. The way I see God presented throughout the Bible, throughout the Old Testament and the mm-hmm. New Testament, isn't so much a God concerned with his glory, but a God concerned with his creation. Concerned with dwelling amongst his creation. Mm-hmm. Concerned with being a personal God. Mm-hmm. You know, from, you see, with him coming to walk with Adam in the evening, mm-hmm. to 
the rejection that Israel gave him when they asked for their own king, mm-hmm. to Jesus Christ coming and then living amongst us, mm-hmm. to the Holy Spirit now tabernacling mm-hmm. inside our bodies. Mm-hmm. So and I see revelations when New uh, Jerusalem comes yeah, down and yeah, says, yeah. "There's no need of the sun." Yeah, I see a God that desires that created us out of love, desiring to be with us, mm-hmm. to enjoy us as we enjoy Him. Mm-hmm. Now, question. Lo- why did he create us? Why do you think that God created us? <laughs> if not for his glory, if not to give him glory. Oh, no, don't get me wrong. I don't think I don't think that's not part of it. We we are we are made to create to glorify God. Absolutely. But it's it's just difficult to to see that being more important to him from the the, the things I've seen. So I I'm thinking of the parable of the prodigal son. Right, the prodigal son coming to his father and saying, "Give me my inheritance now. Let me go and do whatever I want." Apart from it being a ridiculous thing to ask, it's insulting. Mm-hmm. It's it's wrong, and the father must have known that it would lead him to bad things. Mm-hmm. I don't think that was the father's will for his son. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's what the father planned for his son. Mm-hmm. Yet. The father obliged. Mm-hmm. And I see that in love. Love is it, it's a commitment more than a emotion. And for you, wherever there is... When we build AI eventually, AI will have to love us. Well, it won't, it won't, love, it, it won't be love. But AI will do whatever we want because AI doesn't have a choice. If, if, we, if we're not going with a Skynet kind of AI. Um, but... God created us with that choice. And that's where I think things are really difficult to, to, to define because mm-hmm. I will never know what it means to give someone choice to disobey me. So if we go back to, let's say, say Judas. So, mm-hmm. so would you say that Judas had the choice not to betray Jesus? Absolutely. Yeah. If not, yeah. if not, it trivializes what, Je- what Jesus said. Yeah. It trivializes the opportunities Jesus gave him to repent. And that's, that's my thing with that the argument of sovereignty that makes it out to be that God is God makes us sin. Like to, to make it put it primitively, the idea that God makes us sin is it trivializes the the entirety of God's granting us opportunity to not sin. It's against his nature, like he, he's not He cannot do that. Yeah, the Bible does say that. God is not tempted to sin, nor does he tempt us to exactly. sin. So why would he lead us to sin? So in my assertion that he is sovereign and sovereign over our actions isn't necessarily saying that he's like, yo, you you know what? This Today, you're going to watch porn. Like, that's that's going to be your life today. No, I'm not saying. But what I'm saying is, in his sovereignty, at that moment in time, the only only way that we may stay strong in the faith is by his grace. And it's by his Holy Spirit restraining us. And it's, there's a case of actively, when something happens, God has allowed it. Whether we like it or not, God has allowed it. So at that moment, God has allowed that person to sin. Now, it's not a case of he has caused that person to sin, but has allowed that person room to fall into that sin. Do we agree? Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
But then doesn't that counteract your argument it that does he is sovereign? Because, because in that, his sovereignty, so, sovereignty not control over everything. But then you're, it's, I think you like have a different definition of sovereignty, which is why your points are clashing. Okay, okay, okay. okay that, that's okay, that's the sovereignty then. That, that's what I said. Sovereignty is absolute control of absolute reality. So I heard um, one description was the tiniest dust particle that flows never flows outside of the will of God. And I agree with that. The tiniest dust particle. So, absolute control over everything, how does that not extend to controlling you to sin? He's allowed to roam. It's a case of, if I know that if I'm not standing beside you, you're going to lean to the left. And I move. And you lean to the left. Did I just cause you to lean to the left or did I just allow you to lean to the left? It was my choice to lean to the left. No. <laughs> it's, not, it's like, and you didn't stop me. Your natural disposition right. is mm-hmm. when you stand, mm-hmm. you're going to lean to the left. Mm-hmm. And I'm standing beside you to keep mm-hmm. you upright. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I, and I stepped away, mm-hmm. at a moment in time, I chose to step away mm-hmm. and you leant to the side. Mm-hmm. Was that was the opportunity for me to not lean to the side? You're naturally going to lean to the side. So as I said, man's natural disposition is sin. Mm-hmm. As soon as Adam ate, the fr- uh, ate the um, fruit of the tree of yeah, yeah, good and yeah, evil. Yeah. Our natural disposition is mm-hmm. bent towards it. Right. So we can never choose good, or we can never choose God apart from His will yeah, yeah. or His spirit. But mm-hmm. as many as have believed, He's given them the power to become yes. the sons of God. Yes. Now, my my thing to you would be the 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 illustration you gave. Mm-hmm. If you move away, and then I I'm naturally inclined to lean. Mm-hmm. That trivializes God saying every temptation comes with a means of escape. <clears throat> the means of escape is going to him. Fair enough, fair enough. But then that puts on me a responsibility to do that. Okay. So this this is where I think the the difference comes in is we it it, it trivializes our responsibility in the in in the thing. What? Um, I yes, I'd like to set. So, okay, just quick, 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 things from this um this book is called can i know god's will i'll see spell yes sir yes okay theologians describe the decorative will of god that will by which god decrees things to come to pass according to his supreme sovereignty this is also sometimes called god's sovereign will by it god brings to pass whatsoever he wills when god sovereignly decrees something in this sense nothing can prevent it from coming to pass when god commanded the light to shine the darkness had no power to resist the command the lights came on god did not persuade the light to shine he did not negotiate with powers to form a universe he did not achieve a plan of redemption by trial and error because the cross was not a cosmic accident exploited by deity these things were decreed absolutely because their causes were sovereignly decreed. A, se- a serious danger faces those who restrict the meaning of the will of God to the sovereign will. We hear the Muslim cry, it is the will of Allah. 
we slip at times into a deterministic view of life that says, que sera, sera, what will be, will be. In doing so, we embrace a sub-Christian form of fatalism as if God willed everything that happens in such a way as to eliminate human choices. Classical theologians insist on the reality of man's will in acting, choosing and responding. God works his plan through means by the real choices of willing and acting creatures that are secondary as well as primary causes. To deny this is to embrace a kind of determinism that eliminates human freedom and dignity. Yet there is a God who is sovereign, whose will is greater than ours. His will restricts my will. My will cannot restrict his will. When he decrees something sovereignly, it will come to pass whether I like it or not. Whether I choose it or not, he is sovereign, I am subordinate. Then we have the perceptive will of God. When the Bible speaks of the will of God, it does not always mean the decorative will of God. The decorative will of God cannot be broken or disobeyed. It will come to pass. On the other hand, there is a will that can be broken, the perceptive will of God. It can be disobeyed. Indeed, it is broken and disobeyed every day by each one of us. The perceptive will of God is found in his law, the precepts, statutes and commandments that he delivers to his people make up the perceptive will. They express and reveal to us what is right and proper for us to do. The perceptive will of God is his righteousness for our lives by this rule we are governed. It is the will of God that we not sin. It is the will of God that we have now of us before him, that we love our neighbour as we love ourselves. The will of God is violated whenever his law is broken. One of the many great tragedies of contemporary Christendom is the preoccupation of so many Christians with the secret decorative will of God to the exclusion and neglect of the perceptive will. We want to peek behind the veil to catch a glimpse of our personal future. We seem more concerned with our horoscope than our obedience, more concerned with what the stars in the courses are doing than what we are doing. With respect to God's sovereign will, we assume we are passive. With respect to his perceptive will, we know that we are active and therefore responsible and accountable. It is easier to engage in ungodly prying into the secret counsel of God than to apply ourselves to the practice of godliness. And if you want to read more, yeah, it's like 99 on Kindle. Um, can I know God's will? R.C. Sproul. Yes, that's all I have to say on that. <laughs> Discuss. I wanted to ask, like, if, for example, like you say, God gives us a choice. So, but then he knows what's going to happen. So back in Isaiah, I mean, we know that Jesus is going to be betrayed. He's going to be given over, blah, blah, blah. And it'll be by someone, like, obviously, that a disciple mm. that he followed. That, not, not that he followed, but that followed him. Um, but then you come to the New Testament and he's trying to get Judas to repent. So what was the point? Because so does that mean he knows that he's not going to repent? Mm-hmm. So why is he asking him to repent? And then say he did repent. Does that mean? I mean, who knows? Maybe the Pharisees and the Sadducees would have found a different way mm-hmm. to um, crucify Jesus. Yeah. But then, does that change now what Isaiah said? <laughs> no, and and that's that's where I think maybe that those two definitions of supreme sovereignty and allowable sovereignty come into play because you know when he when he made that triumphant entrance into Jerusalem on the donkey and the Pharisees were like, Oh, you know, rebuke your followers because they're you know, they're they're praising you as king. And he said, even if they don't, the storms will rise up. Him saying that and I'm being very detail oriented, but him saying, even if they don't, 
means they have opportunity not to. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And for him to say that, even if they don't, they have opportunity not to, even if they don't, the stones will raise up, means that he would have found another way, if that makes sense. Now, the reason I go so specific into what he says is because Jesus tells us to do so. He says, every yacht and tittle um, will, will not pass from the word. Yacht and tittle being essentially the dotting of the eye, the crossing of a T. He calls us to specifics when it comes to his word. You know, he, um, he was upset with Israel because they didn't realize that that enters into thinking. I think that's the thing. That's the case anyway. Um, actually, let me not say that because I might be wrong. But he, the whole destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD, he kind of attributed to the fact that they didn't recognize something that was in the scriptures before them. So those kind of specifics, I take very seriously. And I, I just think it's hard to trivialize. But my question would then be, how do we identify what is his supreme or what is allowable from the scripture? Okay, my question would, my kind of return question would be, <laughs> can we always figure that out? I guess that's what the Holy Spirit for, isn't it? No, because it's a case of, it's, I kind of see it as not everything is disclosed to us. So we definitely do have to walk in faith. Mm. We don't understand everything about God. We never will understand everything about God. Francis Chan puts it as, if God is the ocean, our mind is a cup being put into the ocean. All we can hold is a cup full of the ocean. So there's still a vast amount that we can never hold. So there's a case of, we can never fully understand God's sovereign will. We can never fully understand God's... Um, as in supreme, and as I said, the sovereign will and the moralistic will, as Jamila put in different ways, in another way through R.C. Sproul. I don't think we need to. Because and that's, that's, the, it, that's, that's what I was about to Speak say. It, that's what I was about to say. Because we never, we, I don't think we can, and I don't think we need to, because that's where faith and trust comes into yeah. it, where we trust that, all right, cool, you know what? As people say, if this job is for me, it's, I'm going to get it. And that's, <laughs> that's, that's like a more practical level. If God has said this job is mine, then now we're trusting in the sovereign will. If this job is mine, I'm going to get We're trusting in the sovereign And that's like a practical way that we trust in the sovereign will. But... But you still practice. You still get ready for interviews. You still get ready for... You don't, you don't turn up with a shirt and ironed your tie halfway down your shirt. You don't research the company. You're just like, it's for me. It's for me. It's for me. Enemy of progress. Just give me the job. You don't do that. So there's a case of faith in action. Um, faith that works is dead. So there's that element of, yes, I trust God. So God has called me to be diligent. God has called me to approach everything with a level of excellence. So I will approach it with a level of excellence, knowing that if I didn't get it, all this work for the great good. Regardless of whatever happens, God's got my back. God's got my back. So there's that, there's that element of God's sovereign will and his moralistic will, as I put it provides like not a safety net but sure foundation and a sure footing for me to be able to trust God to know that alright cool God is sovereign but he is still placing onus on me and I can only operate in that onus trusting in him so I will trust in him and try and, and work by his grace and by his spirit along the lines of what he has called me to do um, your question as well in terms of um, Judas 
another question could be from a perspective of predestination. If God knew that he had predestined some, then why will Christ say, um, John 3.16? You can quote John 3.16. For God so, God so loved, loved the world. world. For, that's it. For God so loved the <laughs> world. That whosoever believes in him should not perish. And there's, there's that, from the sounds of it. Whosoever. Whosoever. So it's, it's an open door. Yeah. So if God has predestined individuals, why would he say whosoever? And I, I see that as a display of his love. He says, I don't desire that every, like none should perish. So there's that, and I think that's that's where his moralistic will comes in, where I don't want you to perish. You have got your free will to do whatever you want to do. But in his sovereign, we can't choose God without him kind of snatching us and giving us a heart of flesh. So as he does that, he has effectively called us to himself. <clears throat> and people are like, so double predestination. Does he predestine some for hell and predestine some for heaven? In Romans, as um, Robert said initially, that he has created, um, created some for destruction and created some for um, to be used for more honourable purposes. And also, as I said, our natural disposition is that we're going to hell. So if it wasn't for the grace of God in the first place, all of humanity would be in hell. So how can we then say, God, why are you allowing, why are you causing some to go to hell when without his grace we will all go to hell? Anyway. <laughs> So it's not a case of he is a mean God for sending some to, to hell. He's a gracious God for turning some back to him. And that's where the perspective kind of shifts. So everything is kind of like a little... <clears throat> it depends on how you look at it. And I'm sure Peter will agree. I'll let you speak for yourself. But I'm sure Peter will agree with me in terms of... We can't figure this out. But... Seeing God work in his, in, his, in his word and knowing that he's sovereign, but knowing that he still allows us to do things, gives me an assurance. Like the doctrine of election gives me an assurance and a boldness when I'm out witnessing. Because I know that, mate, if you're God, you cannot run. It's as simple as that. You can deny my message today. Tomorrow he's going to slap you. You're going to wake up. It's, it's, it's good. And it's like it gives me that assurance that Yes, it might be on um, on a, I might be sowing the seed on the rocky grounds today, but tomorrow he's going to turn that rocky ground into fertile soil, and then he's there's going to be that 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 germination. So there's that sort of encouragement and that confidence that the, the we've already got the victory in Christ. The victory is already won. Like, how can God not be sovereign when he's Telling us what's going to happen in Revelations. He's telling us, look, this is going to happen. Prophecy in and of itself is a confirmation of God's sovereignty. To let you know what's about to happen. Mm. Speaking of prophecy, let's say you're going through a situation. When should you have faith that God will lead you through? And when should you maybe, maybe seek out a prophet or someone who's got the ability of prophecy? So maybe speaking to your life. The prophet will find you. If you're supposed to hear the words of the prophet, the prophet will find you. I think even in the Old Testament, you know, even though they had the uh, structure of, you know, seeking the prophet and, and hearing from the prophet, 
the prophet would only give them what he heard from God. Mm-hmm. Now, we've been given, a, we're in a new position where we are in the position of the priest, if that makes sense. We no longer, we, we've got a supreme high priest that has allowed for the veil to be broken for him to take his seat. Back then, the priest couldn't sit down because the priest's work was never done. We are now, we're, we're now in a, in a situation where we can, you know, we can come before God. He's having a cause within our heart. So, my, my problem is if people, the Bible when it presents seeking out a priest, uh, seeking out a prophet, always put it as the prophet's just being a, you're only going to prophet because you can't go into the holy bodies. Does that make sense? Yeah. You're only going there because the prophet and the ironic lineage of Levi is the only ones allowed into the holy bodies. You can't directly hear from God or? Well, they couldn't they kind of. Yeah. Well, they had a structure to hear from God. Yeah. The Urim and the Thurim, the casting of lots, whatnot. We, on the other hand, were in a different position. Hallelujah! God, as, as um, Jamila was saying, you know, a prophet might find you, you might find confirmation wherever. I think going through something, you should realize you've now been given the power to become a child of God and exercise that power in your prayers, in your faith, in who you listen to, how you listen to, what you listen to, you know, and allow for that to inform you as the Spirit leads. I also add to that and say, the Holy Spirit lives in us. So the Bible, um, I think it's First or Second Peter says that, the prophets of old only spoke when they were moved by the Spirit. So the same Spirit that will move another Holy Spirit, allow move another person to speak to you, dwells in you. And New Testament prophecy differs from Old Testament prophecy. Prophecy nowadays should mostly be a confirmation of what God has already told you. The Spirit will bear witness with you. Spirit will bear witness with you. This this girl should come in there. Yeah. You know, just finishing off Moses' thought is, is oh, is he? Yeah, the spirit will always, will always bear witness. There's, there's a danger in continually seeking out man's perspective when you're meant to be in a relationship with the Holy Spirit. You're meant to be in a relationship with God, with the Holy Spirit running in you. Um, always our point of, point, point of call should be prayer, his word, and then if God chooses to bring other people into it to confirm what he's already laid in our hearts, and so be and even if someone confirms it, the Bible still says test the spirit. So it's a case of going back to God and being like, all right, cool. This person says this. Can you please like confirm it some way, somehow? And that again comes through your relationship with God. Um, actively seeking out a prophet does provide some sort of reaffirmation as to what you think or what you know. But I'll say you shouldn't be dependent on it. Yeah. You shouldn't be dependent. Some people died. You shouldn't be dependent on what's up for mommy, what's up for papa. Um, what's it like just for God or so on, African, that means like the pastor's mom yeah. or that pastor's wife or whatever. It's in that. But it's a case of our primary source of... Um, confirmation should be God not man when we are able to do that we will have a more healthy and more fulfilling relationship with him I know we're running short for time but we haven't actually answered the question that started it off Um, as to whether or not your words can stop God from doing what he wants to do so I was going to ask what do you guys understand by death and life are in the power of the tongue 
or that that verse uh, from Proverbs. What, what what's your understanding of it? That life and death lie in the power of the tongue. I think life and death lie in the power of God. <laughs> <laughs> the Bible says it's in the tongue, to some extent, or at least the Bible says. Can you get? Um, um, do you know? I've I've heard the scripture so many times, but I haven't studied in terms of context yeah. or read around it. Um, it is spoken in isolation a lot. But if you really want to get into it, then you just go to James when it talks about the tongue more specifically. And mm-hmm. <laughs> about the tongue being the the rudder. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's a deadly weapon. But it also says that from the tongue flows lessons and curses. And these things ought not to be because at a spring you don't get a bit of water and see, but the tongue can. Good and evil, um, I think the fact that he's made us in his image, um, God spoke and it was, and it was, so in some imperfect way we speak and maybe, yes it is, but it doesn't mean that what I say now overrides what God has now said, because you can't elevate the created over the creator, basically, that's how I see it. Um, kind of grab onto that as well. What both of them said actually. Um, I always, whenever people speak about the tongue, I always see it secondarily to the heart, because Christ says, "Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks." So I always see like the tongue being an instrument to only display what the what what's in the heart. So I see it as if there's corruption and evil and death in your heart, the mouth will speak. If there's life and joy and happiness in the heart, the mouth will speak. And um, when you're speaking positively over a situation, that shows the, the positivity within your heart. And this is something that you can see during day to day. So we go gym. If someone's in the gym and they're like, you know, you've got 10 sets, they're on their seventh set, like, no, I can do this, I can do this, I can do this. They've got that determination in their heart and if they're verbalizing it with their thought. And this is a tangible way that they're speaking life into the situation. Their arms are finished. They've got two more reps to do, but they say, no, I can do this, I can do this. And from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, and they actually bring it into life. But when they get to a point, they're like, no, 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 I can't do this, and then everything just falters. So I kind of see it as tangibly and practically working out. Out of the abundance of your heart, you can either speak affirmatively into a situation, or you can speak to the detriment of a situation. So, yes, but as Angelo was saying, I don't necessarily see it as overriding, um... God in that situation. So I think I think then to answer we we'd, we'd have to pivot because um, what Jamila is saying, what you get, what all of you have said actually fits in with what Proverbs was saying because Proverbs starts off talking about a man's belly being full mm. of those fruits and those fruits are what come out. So mm. if he's full of death, he speaks death. If he's full of life, he speaks life. Now, I guess what we what we're saying in the end is as spirit filled beings. Mm-hmm. Whatever we say will be, should be out of the spirit and God will not contradict himself. Mm. So if we're to speak into or speak certain things, we should only speak it from receiving. Mm-hmm. You know, the Bible describes Christ as only saying that which he would hear. The Holy Spirit only reports to us that which it hears. Mm-hmm. Why should we be any different? Mm-hmm. So I think in answering that question, um, God being stopped by um, what you think, I think it's more a thing of Let's focus on being spirit-filled and being attentive and uh, mm-hmm. sensitive to the spirit, what the spirit says, and speak as such. Mm. Is that is that a fair enough pivot? Yes. Yeah. yeah. No. 
I can't roll that so. <laughs> no, no, go ahead, go ahead. No. My okay, um I <clears throat> Okay, I think it, it might just be nitpicking for the sake of nitpicking. Yeah. For the first <laughs> it's wow shade. <laughs> um <laughs> just with mugs. Oh no, I'm taking the time. Domestics. Um <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a case of um I see that image or that statement as being very man centered. In the case of it, again, elevating man above that God being subject to the will of man, in that sense. Um, I, it depends on what he's talking about. So why his supreme or his... And um, I kinda, I, I've heard it said, we don't pray to change God's heart, but to change our heart in the situation. Mm. And I, I agree with that. So the more we pray, the more God is able to shift our hearts in line with his and i believe that we might say god nah i I don't want this i don't want that but the more we grow in relationship with god god will change our hearts to more line up with his Mm -hmm. by his spirit he will line us up that we may walk according to his spirit Mm -hmm. um so even if we start off like this i believe god in his sovereignty and um, through the holy spirit sanctification Mm -hmm. we will be like god please let your will be done as christ taught us to pray um so yeah, I think that that is a very selfish thing because it's saying God's will, God wants to do something in your life, and you're saying no, I know better than you, God. That's pride. I know better than you. I don't want this happening to me now. Mm. But the more we grow in fellowship with Him, the more He bends our heart towards His, mm-hmm. and we're like, God, let Your will be done. Mm. Yeah. Might be a nice place to round up. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let us know what you think about everything we've talked about if there's anything you didn't understand leave a comment and so, I'll be leaving a few comments in this <laughs> podcast <laughs> any, any like theological students or any person who's like proper studied and done things there if you want to tuck in your two pence join the sparring match trust me no it's not a sparring match it was just it was just banter <laughs> <laughs> just just drop, drop, drop it in and then obviously we shall continue uh, the discussion Question. Did yep. you discuss any politics today? No. no. Uh, is it God's sovereign will for Nigel Farage to leave the UK party? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, to see. Oh, well, um, thank you guys for listening. Thank I you for know. Angela for passing through. Mm. You've got a blog, don't you, Angela? I've got a blog. Yeah, yeah. oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. Let me give it a shout out. Colour freedom. Colour me freedom. Colour me freedom. Yeah. Six months ago. <laughs> Call me freedom. Wordpress. Com. It's her and a couple of our bloggers, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, well, just two of us at the moment, but we, we get our people to pray sometimes as well. Just two of you. Yeah. <laughs> We're gonna have a conversation after 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 the podcast. Right? Oh, oh, don't hold your eyes. <laughs> Shout out to Partners and Ryan for the intro and outro music. Shout out to Calvin Turner for the amazing logo. You can find us on uh, soundcloud.com forward slash the blacksmith's furnace. No apostrophe. You can find us on iTunes and all other good podcasting stuff at the sound, no, the blacksmith's furnace with an apostrophe. Um, <laughs> I'll be getting better. Twitter at the furnace UK. Email address uh, tbsfurnace at hotmail.com. Robert's still waiting for his fan mail. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I've actually got fans, you know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, so good. Nice. They're not sending it to me now. Anyways.
Um, anybody else want to do any shout outs and stuffs? I'm good. No? I just want to shout out to Jesus. <laughs> shout out to Jesus. Don't know, don't know. For his grace and his mercy. <laughs> Honestly, for all those listening, head and heart. Um, hmuseh at word, uh, dot wordpress dot com. Um, pre that, pre that, obviously. Um, Instagram. Did you just tell them to pre that? Yeah, pre, pre the website, pre the website. Could you translate into English? Right, English, have a look at the website. Peruse <laughs> <laughs> the website. Peruse. <laughs> At your, at your, um, at your, at your next convenience, you may peruse the website. Um, and also, uh, Instagram H Muse H. Also check out Bobby A Events. Yeah, yeah. Come, some people come soon. So sounds coming up, Bobby A Events. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, yeah. Is, is that, is that everything? Yeah. So thank you for listening to Portela Blacksmith Furnace. This is us signing out. <laughs>